What's up, everybody? Welcome to Let's Talk Markets with Dave Lauer. I am your co-host, Pink, and this week we have a special guest with us, Byron, also known as B, putting the B and Be Your Own Bank uh, in the Loopring community, and he runs the public-facing side of Loopring. So welcome, Byron. Appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for having me on. I, uh, I'm very excited about this. Yeah, us too. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Definitely. That's, this is a, a, I have to say, I saw you on Super Stonk way back in the day. You did an, an AMA and um, so definitely always been interested in what Loopring is doing, what you guys are trying to achieve. So I, I want to commend you on wow. everything that you've done in the last few years that I've been an investor and just a watcher. So Awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. There's so many amazing people in the community. The, there's so much overlap between the Loopring community and the, the GME community. So yeah, just super pumped to be here and talk about whatever we're going to talk about. <laughs> so how, how much snow do you guys have? That's my, my question to you because, <laughs> because we don't, we don't have any on the ground. We've had a few snows so far just to give everyone a little context, but apparently there there's a storm coming. I've got I've got no no snow here, uh, no snow. which which is great. I'm in I'm in the southern hemisphere, so um, we're upside down. We're just entering summer right now. So, nice. But I was born I was born and raised in Canada, Dave. So I, I could hear it. Be, you yeah, said yeah. about. <laughs> I could hear it right <laughs> off the bat. <laughs> yeah, I was born and raised in Canada, so yeah, you can definitely tell by the accent. But yeah, yeah, I, I don't miss snow at all. Yeah, where are you? I, I'm in Argentina right now. I, I've been I've been all around the the globe. Uh, I left Canada many years ago. Um, I yeah I spent some time in Europe. I spent some time in like hopping around the Caribbean. Uh, I spent and then I kind of settled in Dubai for a long time. But now I'm yeah down in South America. Um, that all sounds awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I finally found a home. Let's see. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, I've always wanted to ski in South America. That's sort of on my my bucket list. Um, Chile yeah, yeah, yeah. beautiful places down here. Yeah, and ski in the places. summer. How cool is that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a crazy world and upside down here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you get dizzy. I guess you're you're you're, you're, <laughs> it's you're a little hard adjust, on the head. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, the, you adjust to it over time. The only thing I know is from The Simpsons where the Coriolis effect means that the the toilet water goes the wrong direction, right? <laughs> Yes. Have seen that I, yes. Episode, right? I, uh, yeah. I should I should go check out next time I flush, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining. You know, I think this is um this is really cool. I you know, I've learned a lot about Loopring recently. I guess I'm late to the game. Everyone was sort <laughs> of like uh yelling at me <laughs> um <laughs> at, at various points in the past couple of years of, of you know, getting on the loop ring train. And, and so, you know, I will admit I'm a little late to it, but I, I'm really interested in what I've learned. And, um, and so I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about it. Um, I've had some experiences in crypto personally um, from being pretty early on the Bitcoin train and uh, kind of um, as a trader, uh, having what was both my best and worst trade of my life, both being Bitcoin. <laughs> Um, and, uh, Sounds very familiar. yeah, yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like made a lot of money and yet didn't make an way more money. Um, and that was my fault for not being a true believer and being a trader <laughs> and I'm, I'm reformed since then. And then I've, I I've really, oh, we have, we have lost pink. I'm going to apologize uh, to everyone. We're going to, we'll see if we can reconnect her. Um, but in the meantime, um, and you know, then I, I, I started learning more about like DeFi and decentralized approaches uh, to finance. And, um, you know, at, at one point actually, 
uh, was really into zero X. And then having learned more about loopring, I see a lot of similarities between loopring and zero X. Um, and so I guess just to start at, you know, at a high level, why don't you just take us through before we get into that, what is loopring? How does it fit into the crypto ecosystem and, and what kind of what sets it apart from other um, let's say layer one and other layer two uh, protocols? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. You you mentioned zero X. I, I guess uh, I see where you're coming from with that similarity. Uh, Loopring and zero X actually both started out as like just centralized exchange protocols. Right. Um, back in uh, 2018, uh, we launched as like a just a decentralized exchange protocol. And basically, we built the first ever ZK rollup, which is like a zero knowledge rollup, first layer two on on top of Ethereum. Uh, so we're real innovators in that category. Um, and we, we did it to scale our own products. Uh, it wasn't to like, this is what, this is a big thing that differential differentiates Loopring from a lot of other projects and infrastructure layers that are building on top of Ethereum, um, is like, we are uh, like first and foremost, we're a user facing like product and infrastructure company. Like we, we build user facing products. Uh, we want to onboard a billion users to, uh, this new crypto economy. Um, and we use the infrastructure that we build to help scale our products. Um, basically, the the long-term goal, like I said, is to uh, basically help everyone around the world become their own bank and um, and come into this new crypto ecosystem. Uh, if we're successful one day, we'll be like a super happy ecosystem where like, you never really need to leave the Loopring ecosystem. Everything you need from paying your bills to uh, spending to uh, trading to swapping to investing, earning everything is all in one place. Um, that's our end goal. So yeah. Okay, so I, I really want to get deep into the be your own bank, but but before we do, um, I, I think zero knowledge is is really interesting, and I think a lot of people probably don't know what that means. So so can mm -hmm. you explain it for people who you know don't have maybe as technical of background as you do? So like zero knowledge proof is. Uh, ZKPs is a term that you'll hear flying around. Uh, basically, it's a, it's a way to prove different things on the blockchain uh, in ways that don't that doesn't uh, expose all the information. Um, so, like if I want to prove that something is true, I don't need to show whoever wants the proof um, the, the information, the data that I'm collecting to to collect that proof. You just know through cryptography that what I'm saying is correct, and um, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I mean, when when I think about zero knowledge proofs, I usually associate that with privacy coins like Monero and Zcash. It, but I think here it's a slightly different um, use case for it in that you're. It, it, I mean, maybe this. I don't know if this information is data, but I think it has to do with pooling transactions, but maintaining privacy in pooled transactions. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So like we're we're proving that like. Alice or Bob or whoever owns this amount of tokens on layer two, they own that amount of tokens. And we post that to Ethereum layer one and uh, Ethereum layer one accepts that as the reality because they know that we're using these ZK proofs. And so they can accept it as the truth fact. It's been verified, uh, even though they don't have all the information from that actual layer two, um, if that makes sense. And so is that does that information sort of stay shielded and private no matter what, or is it just to the layer one that it's shielded, but on layer two, anyone can see it? Does that make sense? Yeah, um, so it, yeah, most of that 
data, like everything that's posted on chain is, is, is public and verifiable. So like uh, we expose like a layer two uh, block explorer where you can see all the transactions. Um, but basically like the Ethereum layer one, it would be much too slow to like for the Ethereum layer one to grab all those transactions and, and do all the calculations and prove everything like who owns what itself. Uh, so we do that all together, uh, put it into uh, a block and submit it to Ethereum and they just accept it as fact because we use the ZK proof to prove it. Yeah. Okay, so one of my other questions was really about sort of like time to finality and throughput. Um, and so it's, so what are, the, what are those kind of stats for Loopring and how do you achieve them? Yeah, like right now we're like our, our throughput is I think at, at max around like four 4,000 transactions per, per second. Um, like right now we haven't needed that. Like for example, like the highest transactions per second that's ever been needed on Ethereum has been like uh, 22 or something like that transactions <laughs> per second. Um, like one, once we reach enough scale, like I, I think a better example here is like um, like Visa MasterCard. I yeah. Cor correct me if I'm wrong, but I think like they um, at their highest scale, like doing global transactions, they're around like 10 or 20 thousand transactions per second, um, and that's like most of the transactions going through the world. Um, so I think like in a few years, like with with the advance of like layer three technology and different advancements that we're making now with uh, better like ZK AVMs, and then we can kind of live on top of ZK AVMs, I think we can easily reach that scale. Um, I think we'll be able to reach yeah much more than like the Visa MasterCard limit. Yeah, it's funny for me because coming from high frequency trading, I was I was building systems that were handling like millions of events per second and um, and like hundreds of thousands of transactions per second. And I never realized mm -hmm. like the payments infrastructure doesn't even get close to anything like that, but it has a whole different set of requirements, right? Yeah, In yeah. terms of preventing double spending and, and all of that. Exactly, there's there's trade-offs. Um, and, and that's basically exactly what we're trying to accomplish is like one day we want to rebuild the entire like TradFi financial system, but on crypto rails. Um, we're not there yet because we don't have that kind of scale, like 100,000 transactions per second, at least not in a decentralized way. Um, but yeah, that's that's what we want to accomplish. We want to have a much more free and fair system for all, like in this decentralized world. Uh, but we it needs to be at least as fast and as user-friendly as the traditional finance world. Yeah, you know, I, this is like, this is an area that I find particularly intriguing. So I, I really, I really want to hear your vision of, you know, you, you like to say, be your own bank. Um, and it, I, I see a lot of people on social media who have a lot of disdain for the traditional finance <laughs> system, you know, the traditional world of finance. And, and, and you know, I, I certainly, I, I don't blame them for it. And, and I probably hold a similar level of disdain, but um, many of them want to blow it all up. And they say, you know, we need to, we need to sweep it out and we need a complete overhaul. And, and usually they're thinking of some type of decentralized blockchain-based replacement. Um, and it, it's not that I disagree with that sentiment, but I struggle to see the path to it, right? Because I think a lot of them, a lot of their sentiment is wipe it out a la, um, uh, you know, like Fight Club kind of thing. Just <laughs> yeah, literally yeah, yeah. blow up all the databases, fine. But you know, I, I think that would, I think a lot of people get hurt in a scenario like that. You know, I, I think that creates sort of mass poverty and, and it's a, a terrible way to transition. So I'm, I'm curious, like what way is there to make, you know, what, what is your vision for it? And, and what way is it, 
is there to make like a, a reasonable and sort of sustainable transition to a system, a global system like that? Yeah, I mean, I think we're on that question right? now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, simple, simple. I got all the solutions. Now. Um, like again, I'm not a, I'm not a fortune teller or anything like that. I can't see the the future, but uh, to me, I think we have a very clear path ahead, at least from my perspective. And we're kind of on that path right now, where um, like we've seen like failures with like FTX and a lot of different centralization uh, failures like that. I, um, like I. I just think it, it's inevitable that we end up on a more decentralized rails and where people like can't get hurt in mass through like centralized scams or just just the like, human error that comes with centralization problems. Um, but um, anyways, like I, I think the transition that we can take is using stable coins uh, that are that are paid to fiat currencies. I think that's the first step. Um, like I said, like blockchains aren't really at the scale, at least decentralized open blockchains like Ethereum aren't really at the scale that we need right now. We're getting closer each day. Um, but for now, we can start with like simple use cases like DeFi, uh, like investing, earning, things like that. We, we can do that in a pretty scalable way and start to onboard the masses in that way. And we can use stable coins that are, that are uh, pegged to fiat currencies and use those on these new um, crypto rails. And eventually, I think when the fiat system eventually collapses, which I, I believe it very well could one day, I, I, most governments and patent, they seem to be on the similar path of inflation and maybe even hyperinflation. I, I mean, I, I see the end result of it here in Argentina, where there's just horrible yeah, well, hyper, hyperinflation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's That's... so like, I mean, to, to fight the beast, you got to get into the belly of the beast. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh... <laughs> you're, you're right in it. I mean, you know, I don't know if people are, you know, familiar historically with sort of Argentina's currency crises and stuff, but man, that's that's right in the middle of it. And, and definitely like a poster child for, you know, uh, or a precautionary tale and poster child for what can happen when, you know, government ma mismanages currency and, and fiscal uh, policy. Exactly. There's there's so many people hurt. There's so much poverty. There's so much just unfairness. And it all just comes from this, uh, like, horrible failures of centralization. But um, that, anyways, I, I'm happy to go further into that. Yeah. But, like, back to my... Now we're off on a tangent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I think that I think the transition starts with these stable coins that are on crypto rails. Um, and then eventually, I think governments are going to try to come out with these CBDCs, these central bank digital currencies. And then we're going to be at this crossroads where we can choose path A and go down the CBDC route where the governments can take complete control over your lives and your finances. Or we go down this other path where we use stable coins and we build an economy around stable coins and at least that gives people a quick exit. So if 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 currencies start to fail, if the U.S. dollar stablecoin all of a sudden starts to hyperinflate one day, I hope not. But um, at least at least if it does happen, I hope it happens slow when people can transition into like Bitcoin or Ethereum or something that's bigger and more stable. And then eventually, I think a whole economies can be built around these um, crypto coins. So mm -hmm. yeah, if that if that makes sense. It does, and I'm I'm curious. Like uh, CBDCs are something I've been thinking about, um, and even with with uh, we the investors were considering the response to like a proposal from the CFPB about openness and like mandating openness in the financial system and ownership of data. Um, and and one of the th the angles we're thinking about taking is saying, well, if a CBDC is probably inevitable, so why don't we try to put some 
guardrails around that to ensure privacy for people. It, do you think that's a reasonable approach or is a, centri- a CBDC sort of destined to be a problem, you know, regardless, especially as governments get into trouble and there's there's no sort of, I don't know, do you, do you think there's a, a, a good way to, for governments to implement a CBDC or is it just not possible? In, in my opinion, um, it, it can be okay if they at least connect these CBDCs to public blockchains and give people like a, a quick and seamless exit if they want to exit. Um, like if you try, <laughs> it doesn't if you try, want to do that. <laughs> I, I, exactly. So yeah. like in my opinion, CBDCs are doomed to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I hope they implement them in, in a proper way where they're at least connected or on top of Ethereum blockchain or connected to a public and open blockchains that people have this exit because I, I for me, governments can't do anything like efficiently. So I can't, I, I can't imagine that they implement something like this in a, in a great way. Um, but I could be wrong. Yeah. And just to clarify, CBDC, central bank digital currency. So that would be like a, essentially a stable coin, but issued by the central bank, uh, kind of an electronic form of, in the US, the dollar. Um, and one which has some properties, I think, of blockchain tech, but as we're sort of discussing, can kind of either be privately held and controlled by the central bank, or as you're proposing, sort of overlaid on a public blockchain like Bitcoin or Ethereum. Yeah, for me, that would be the best way for a government to do that. Like if they still want to at least have have control over their currency and like not not lose complete control, like I'm sure that they don't want to, then yeah, I think CBDCs on top of a public open blockchain would be a good way to do that. Like get rid of the, your competitors like like USDC, USDT, um, right. like the government doesn't want people using those. So issue your own on top of Ethereum blockchain, let people use that, uh, keep your, your dollar dominancy if you want. So let's go back to, to be your own bank and, and, the, and then let's take that with sort of how you introduced Loopring which I, I don't remember the exact wording you said, but you know, you, you talked about the UI, um, you know, the, focusing on the UI and the user interface to crypto. And, and to me, it, uh, you know, I, I haven't heard you say that before. And that just set off like the light bulbs because I, you know, I think one of the biggest problems to this idea that the future is a decentralized world is not necessarily like this, a technology issue. It's actually a user interface issue mm-hmm. right and, and you know it's it's both the usability and simplicity of interacting with these systems and the dangers of of holding your own keys and mm-hmm. you know exactly. right like the fact that how much how much bitcoin 20 percent of bitcoin is gone because people mm-hmm. hold their own keys and and you know like people have real problems with this even experts yeah yeah I, I i don't think that the average person wants to control their own destiny that much um it, it it would be super scary it is super scary to like uh like one day if we have all of our assets on blockchain and you have the deed to your house you have like <laughs> everything that's on chain and yeah you, you get social you're, engineered you're, out of that like yeah terrible. You're, you're se- exactly you're securing all that with a with a seed phrase written on a piece of paper never gonna happen so um <laughs> This is this, this is why we're building what we're building. Like we we also built uh, one of the first ever smartphones, uh, which is like a, a smart contract wallet on Ethereum, and arguably today it's the most secure uh, wallet on, in crypto. It, it, we use a, a backup mechanism called social recovery, 
Um, it's all done on chain and verifiable. Can you and, describe that? Like, what does that mean, social recovery? Yeah. So basically, there's no seed phrases. So like people that use the, the Loopring smart wallet don't need to write down a seed phrase. Um, your your private keys are, are secured by a group of guardians that you choose. Um, one of those guardians can be the Loopring guardian. Like we, we initially set up your phone and use like extra protection mechanisms like 2FA protection uh, or email like signing or face recognition like built in stuff like that to verify you. But it's highly recommended that you add additional guardians. Um, and those guardians are basically your backup. So if something ever happens to your phone, uh, you can basically just signal to your guardians that you need to recover your phone. They can sign a message. Um, and as long as a majority of your guardians sign that message, verifying that it's actually you that wants this, then you can uh, recover your, all of your assets onto a new device. Um, so just like different protection mechanisms like that, so you don't you can sleep well at night. You don't have to worry about like yeah, all of your assets are just uh, like on this piece of paper and could be lost or stolen at any time. As long as you don't um, piss off your friends or family. <laughs> Yeah, and those like yeah, exactly. And <laughs> but those those guardians can even be you. They can be extra devices. Like for example, like a a, a very common like Vitalik. He he actually helped us like with a lot of our early development of the Loopring smart wallet and just kind of like went over like our recovery process and stuff like that. And like um and like wrote a blog about us and and mentioned Loopring like when we when we first threw that out there. And like what one thing he recommends is uh like like you can actually use some of the guardians as yourself. Like if you have like, for example, a ledger device, um, you can use the, that ledger as one of your guardians. So like if something happens to your phone um, and maybe you have like two other ledgers and your mom or something like that. And as long as you get a majority of those to sign a message saying that it's you, then no problem, you get your assets back. Um, yeah, but it, it's pretty cool. And then we also have like a lot of other backup mechanisms also. We also have cloud backup recovery. Um, and it's not just like your private keys are stored in the cloud. No, it's like yeah. we, encry we, we encrypt and shard, sh we encrypt and shard your private key. And basically it's like stored across uh, a whole bunch of different locations. And it would be almost impossible for like one hacker to put it all together. Um, and that's like a free way of doing it. The social recovery costs you like a, maybe a couple dollars to recover your wallet. But with cloud recovery, any user can have like a, uh, a free way of recovering their wallet and not having to worry about seed phrases and i think we have a pretty secure backup uh cloud backup solution now okay that's 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 really interesting um because i've i have confronted like i've dealt with all these issues and you know i'm not going to say that my mom is involved in any way <laughs> because that might be exposing some more than i need to but you know like that's kind of the stuff you do um to protect your private keys your seed phrases or you know it's it, yeah. it's really it's, it's too it's, it's too much for the average person yeah yeah i you know I, i've got a good friend and he did the thing where he put like you know this he engraved it in metal and buried it in the ground yeah <laughs> that's i get that that's probably pretty secure but that is not scalable <laughs> yeah i mean there's probably still people around the world burying gold in their backyard so i think that that's like the yeah, equivalent so it's true <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, I want to I want to take a, a, a detour, a tangent, um, and and get scandalous for a minute um, because sure. you know with Loopring is a layer two uh, protocol built on Ethereum. There's a bit of an Ethereum scandal um, right now. Uh, oh, you know, have, have you? Did I missed this. What's yeah. Oh, okay. Well, if you missed it, then this won't be an interesting conversation at all. But apparently, <laughs> um, someone from the Ethereum Foundation accused the founders of Ethereum of massive fraud. Um, ah. 
Did you? Did you I see did hear about, about this? this? I did hear about this, but I didn't dig too much into it. Um, no, I, I don't I think mean, there's much to dig into. I think it's baseless rumor at this point. But you know, like that—that's what sells tickets and gets the click. So we got to talk about it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I don't have any extra information because unfortunately, I didn't dig too much into it. Um, yeah, I just kind of like wrote it off as like this is probably pretty baseless. And even if uh, something did happen in the beginning, like Ethereum is pretty decentralized at this point. Like, no, no one person has any control over anything. But I mean, I hope people weren't defrauded. But um, yeah, it's kind of Ethereum's kind of grown into its own beast at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how? So then, then let's talk about fraud because that's fun. Um, you know, like I, I think <laughs> what we saw with FTX was a, another, and and we, I, I think almost everything in crypto, outside of some of like the social engineering hacks, have have been actually indictments of centralization, right? Most of the exactly. fraud in crypto has actually not been um, security holes. It's been you know, run of the mill hacking of centralized systems. And I was reading something, um, and may, I think it may be, again, this might've been older material on loopering, but I assume it's still true because even using systems like uh, that are supposed, some decentralized exchanges that are supposedly decentralized, you still have to push your crypto into it in order to interact with it. But that's not true with loopering, is that right? I mean, you do have to deposit into a smart contract, but there's all sorts of exit hatches that we don't control. So okay. I, I think this is the most important thing. Is okay. like, and this is why we build directly on top of Ethereum. Like, unfortunately, there's a lot of other projects that say like they're layer twos on Ethereum, but they're not actually layer twos on Ethereum. They're actually side chains that have their own consensus mechanisms. And if you put if you push your funds into those uh, like bridges or whatever. Um, your your money is at risk of that that consensus consensus mechanism um like what on loopering like your your money is as secure as it is on the, on top of ethereum uh the worst case scenario is like if loopering became malicious one day and did something like maybe you lose your most recent transaction that that happened like it would, it would be go back to its previous state but then you could exit all of your funds back to ethereum at any point and loopring has like no permission needed so you can do that at any point you get your funds back so, so you yeah, don't even have that, to trust loopring exactly you don't have to trust Truly trustless exactly I, I think this is very very key like this is how we can kind of like beat that um uh scaling trilemma where you have to trade off a little bit of decentralization right. in order to scale uh we we can kind of like kind of rework that by building these layers on top of Ethereum and tying ourselves to Ethereum and using these ZK proofs to uh, post to Ethereum. So it's it's pretty cool. I'm I'm very excited. So so in your in your be your own bank vision of the future, everyone has these you know some version of this these smart wallets and they have complete control of their assets. They have mm -hmm. complete recoverability. They don't have to mm -hmm. trust anyone. Everything is dirt cheap in, to interact and transact. Um, and that is a world in which you tr you've really disintermediated, uh, you know, all of these constructs that we have put in place in this current world, like brokers and exchanges exactly. and, you know, banks and all of that. Um, and, and you think that this is the tech that can bring that about ultimately. Um, and so uh, the real question is, when's that going to happen? 
<laughs> yeah, you nailed it on the head. And like, even just to take that a step further, like the be your own bank future that I kind of envision is like every single person is getting paid on on in crypto on the, on the blockchain. Everything's on chain. You get paid in crypto. You do all your spending in crypto. You do all your investing in crypto. Um, like it's it's perfectly uh, reasonable like future where like you'll go buy a, a pair of Nike shoes one day and that'll come with a unique QR code and you'll scan that QR code and those will be verified like uh, shoes on in the in the metaverse one day so like people will be in the metaverse and they'll see like hey that guy has like verified nike shoes and like everything like like i said like your real estate deed could be on on chain everything could be on chain um so like there there's no need for on ramps off ramps anything it's just what about everything this is autograph chain. billy bean baseball is this going to be I on mean, chain come on who that? <laughs> i mean yeah there's there's going to be some some <laughs> scenarios where that could be that could be very valuable one day. <laughs> Like maybe some the the future celebrities are signing messages into onto NFTs and those become very valuable one day too. Who knows? But yeah, no, I like not every every everything is going to become tokenized and on chain. But I think a vast majority of things can be uh, more more fair, more free, and more efficient on chain. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I think when you look at the level of intermediation and inefficiency and you know collusion and you know price fixing and it, it across so many different markets, I mean that's why I you know early on bought into crypto and and I I buy into the the future vision. I still struggle to see how we get there, um, but I it's it's not that I don't hope we do. <laughs> it's that it yeah. just feels like this world is set up with you know, impediment upon impediment to try and prevent that future because the, the governments and the investment banks part particularly are, are so uh, staked into preserving the current system. I completely agree, uh, except the, the whole system kind of lives and dies with the, the fiat dollar system. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let, let's see what happens with the fiat system. Like, I for me, it's on an unsustainable path. I, I mean, like I said, in Argentina here, there's a perfect example of the, the end game of that. And the end game here is that, like, uh, close to 50% of the population here now is is into crypto and uses crypto to save money because against this, like, hyperinflation that's happening. And, um, like, rapidly everything is becoming on-chain. And I think that's that's a very realistic like maybe in in the first world like like north america uh right now like maybe it takes a little bit longer like you've got the the dollar system that works pretty pretty good uh but i i think maybe it's the last one to go but i think everything eventually goes that way i think it starts with some of these like smaller more dependent places that really need it and then it kind of spirals and and goes and goes everywhere as as humans realize like hey like we can really take back our freedom and control like on chain like I mean, I don't mean to blow up your spot, but I think you've talked talked publicly that you moved to Canada recently, and um, like you, you've seen what 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 happened there. Like, it, I don't think people can have personal freedom with without like financial freedom or freedom to transact. Like, you show up to a protest, and all of a sudden, the bank uh, is shutting down your bank account for for no no good reason, just because the government's not happy about it. Like, I, I think eventually, more and more of these scenarios play out, and people just slowly get pushed more and more to the self-custodial decentralized world like as bad as the ftx uh, situation was he defrauded a lot of people and it's horrible uh like i know people that lost a lot of money from that and it's 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 horrible but the the silver lining is that like a lot more people are now realizing that hey like we shouldn't be using these centralized systems we shouldn't trust be trusting people with our money why 
like we don't need to we can take control of our own we can be our own bank we can live this self-custodial life where these risks are possible yeah no i, I think that's fair i think that uh, the canadian action was a dangerous one it, and and you know i don't have to agree with what they were saying to know that it's okay when free speech makes you uncomfortable mm -hmm. because it's important to preserve free speech and I think you're right that like the freedom to transact is one of those freedoms that mm -hmm. it goes along with uh, the freedom to speak. So, um, you know, I, I think I think it's a fair point. Um, and I think that, you know, I'd like to think you're right. And I, and I think most people would probably agree with you philosophically and, and agree that that's like I said, that's a good end state to get to. I I, I think most people still struggle to understand how they can adopt it. And so I hope with what you guys are doing to make that kind of user experience accessible to the average person, you know, that to me, yeah. you know, like we, we talked about earlier, that is the number one factor that will make, that will take crypto from, you know, a, a large, but still niche thing uh, to global broad adoption. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I think we've got still a few tricks up our sleeve and it's going to be a little bit of a, a path to go here. Like, I, I don't think it's going to happen overnight. I think we're still years, maybe like a decade away from like we really seen uh, this really play out with, with crypto and blockchain. But um, as we've seen, there's like these, these, these big events that happen, like the pandemic, uh, like this FTX situation that like are just like big pivotal moments that like change the paradigm. Um, and I, I think more of those situations are going to keep happening in the world as there's a, like a lot of chaos. And I think more and more people are going to be pushed in this direction. And eventually it's just going to snowball. We're going to hit an inflection point and then it's just going to go. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited about the future. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we're very excited because I, I don't know if people have, have seen this, but we are uh, we have minted our first NFT on Loop. Well, not our first. But Irvin's first, uh, we the investors did one on Loopring, but this is Irvin's first NFT. Um, and we are going to be distributing that to all the early adopters that jumped on the Irvin beta. Um, and it was funny because uh, on Twitter, um, we started talking about this idea of um, an NFT that can unlock things, right? It's not just... A, a picture. It's not just a JPEG. Right? It's it's uh, this verifiable credential that says that, that you know it that, that carries something with it. And, and one of our ideas on Irvin is that it unlocks communities on the platform. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened that that's very aligned with sort of how you guys want to see um, NFTs used as well. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Communities are everything. I love what you guys are doing with Irvin and yeah, like, however we can continue to support you guys. We're, we're here for you. Um, but yeah, I think communities are everything. Communities drive, uh, drive the whole economy. And um, yeah, if we can capture that using NFTs and different, like better, more fair, like incentive mechanisms, I think uh, there's a lot we can unlock. Uh, I, especially as like the whole world moves digital and moves online, moves into these virtual spaces, all of that, like the, uh, crypto tokens, NFTs—they're going to be the currency of the of the new world. If you're going to replace a terribly flawed system that, at its core, is built on conflicts of interest and warped incentives, um, you know, to to 
to put everything in place with that kind of alignment with your users and and you know what you're doing. Um, I, I think I don't think there if if we're going to get to a future where decentralization works, I think it works because of that because we figured out how to get rid of these conflicts and we figured out how to align everybody's interests. Um, and maybe exactly. I hope that's not a pipe dream. No, I, I I think you're spot on. I think that's the that's the direction that we're going. We need these fair incentive models that can't be manipulated by yeah, yeah. centralized parties. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, did we did we miss anything? I think we covered a lot of ground. Anything else you wanted to talk about? No. I, I think I think we nailed it. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, this was this was fun. Fun conversation. Um, sorry, we lost Pink there at the beginning. We had some technical difficulties, <laughs> but you know we we persevered. And um, we'll have her back next week. And next week, we'll also uh, be back with our monthly macro and markets um, episode and segment with uh, Claudia Sam and Ophir Gottlieb. And we're really excited to welcome uh, a new special guest. Kyla Scanlon is going to join us on that. So we'll be talking macroeconomics, inflation, hopefully not hyperinflation, but you know, who knows? We'll, we'll probably get to, to some of that at some point. Um, but, uh, you know, so make sure uh, whatever platform you're listening to us on, give us a good rating. Uh, it really helps to uh, spread the podcast and, and help to get it into to other people and uh, subscribe if you can. Uh, Byron, thanks so much for joining us. Really enjoyed this uh, conversation. Thank you, Dave. Really appreciate it. And looking forward to working with you guys more. I love what you guys are doing. Yeah, likewise. All right. Sure thing. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Wow.